0: You know, there's the remnant, and then there's the remnant of the remnant. And then there's the remnant of the remnant of the remnant, but I could digress. But, you know, there are, there are people, you know, that over the last three years, the wheat was separated from the tares, and we, and we know who the wheat is. But then there's people who even after being the wheat will then go to the nth degree of the word of God. And that is, very, there's very few, but that is the people that are in this building. And, I, and I, wanna te- I wanna tell you this because I forgot last week that if you are new, you are loved. This is just the Bible, I want want you to understand that. I'm not saying that to be arrogant or condescending or anything else, but there's a lot of confusion inside of the modern church. Because inside of the modern church, a lot of what ends up getting preached is a Pharisaic sort of cultism. That is not the Bible, it's people's viewpoint of Jesus. There is no other Jesus but the Bible. So what you have to do is be still. Be still and know that he is God. That doesn't mean, you know what, I'm still and I'm going, hey, that's God. No, it's being still and knowing God and saying, you know what, is that God? Is that not God? If it's the Bible, it's God. No matter how offensive it is, it's God. If it's it's what the word of God says, If it offends your philosophy, your philosophy is wrong. If it offends your theology, your theology, your theology, your theology is wrong. Some people they would never let the Bible get in the way of their theology. The Bible has to be your theology because Jesus is the word. If that means that, as I have, you've lumped together decades of failure, then that's the fact. Right there it got quiet, but I got one that's right and a yep from Pete. See, that's, people don't want, don't want that ground treaded on. I do not want to acknowledge that I lost when I should have won for decades. But better is one day. Listen, even if you, if, even if you fool yourself, I'm not, I'm not talking to the lost. I'm talking to the found. But even if you fool yourself year after year after year and you're like, you know what, everything is great, everything is perfect, I'm a solid believer with absolutely no fruit to prove that, but yet I'm a solid believer. Because people would have said that I was a solid believer. Over, I got saved when I was 18 years old and I told you I pretty much wasted my life until I was 50. And I'm like, I, I, could, I could make the claim that I didn't, and there were areas of my life that I didn't. My kids are saved, I'm still married. I didn't get fired from the sheriff's office. Had some disputes, but I didn't get fired at the sheriff's office. Everywhere I go, there's disputes. <laughs> so there, there was a measure, there's measures of success. But I asked myself this question, where were the miracles? And and by the way, with me, there was probably more than average, but far too many losses, and I I could be espousing that I was successful, but I know that from whom much is given, much is required, and that the requirement wasn't met, so I could pretend that it was, or I can say, Psalm 8410, better is one day because i'm still going to be judged by reality i'm still there there's a book of life with names written in it you can think your name's in it when it's not you or, or even if your name is in it were you successful as a believer the word of god tells us whether we were successful or not a tree is known by its fruit period So if you're hearing this today and you're being like offended on the inside, ask yourself what's offending me? Well, it's your loud voice. Okay. Is it really the loud voice? Because if it was the loud voice, then you would do what the loud voice says if the loud voice wasn't there. But if the loud voice is espousing things that you don't do or don't believe, then it was, it, and you don't do them anyway, then it wasn't the loud voice. It's the truth that bothers you inside of the loud voice. Amen. Otherwise, you would do what the loud voice says. Amen. You would be, you'd be like, well, I am performing miracles, so that's just the loud voice that's bothering me. <laughs> no, but the miracles are absent. You don't have any interest in the miracles so it's not the loud voice that's bothering you. It's the truth inside the loud voice that's bothering you. Make sure that you identify it. And the best thing to do is to be still. If you're new, be still and see if what you are hearing is God. It's we're so easy. This isn't the message, but it's just inside the church, offense is licensed. Not here. I don't listen. You wanna be offended, be offended. I will not sprint out to the parking lot and say, no, 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 don't leave. Why don't I do that? Because Jesus didn't do it. If Jesus didn't do it and Jesus is the word, then I don't do it. People have said to me, you know, we need to have like a team at the door. No. I'm not having a team at the door to grovel for people to stay. And by the way, I've been edified recently. What edified means built up. Because I'm I'm listening to a lot more preaching than I used to listen to. In my circle, I don't listen to crap. C-R-A-P. I don't listen to crap. So I've been listening to, like, there was two preachers recently, but I'll use Jonathan as an example. He was saying in the middle of a sermon, I saw people get up and leave. Jonathan, Jonathan was canceled in South Carolina. They were like, on Wednesday, that's it. We don't want you back. In the middle of the week. It really cost Jonathan. He only brought a million dollars that week, but I mean, and then gave it to Rodney Howard Brown, personally, and then Rodney Howard Brown gave it away to his own ministry. But I, I've been edified because that's what happens when you preach the word. If you, if you tell people, I even watched, I believe that I watched all three, but I don't want to say for sure that I did, but I watched at least two out of the three messages that caused Jonathan to get kicked out of South Carolina. And I'm not going to name names. If you want to find out about it, then you find out about it. I called Jonathan that day and I I talked to him about it. But they allegedly kicked him out because they didn't like the prosperity message. So I watched all three messages, there was no prosperity. It, well, there wasn't anything. So I'm like, what, what are they even looking at? And What's so funny about it is, people will be like, when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to wealth, people are like, well, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. Therefore, I'm supposed to be poor. Okay, well then I guess you're going to assume your own sin because Jesus became poor so that you can become rich. He became your sin so that you can be forgiven. So I guess you're gonna just assume your own sin then and go to hell. People are amazing to me. How they will cookie cut the gospel. You know why? It's because they're poor and they feel guilty about it. If you're poor, God wants you wealthy. Tom, are you, Tom, are you saying that you're wealthy? Yeah, I'm, I'm wealthy. I'm not, I'm not rolling in millions, but if I did, I'd tell you. The day that I'm rolling in millions, I will tell you. Seriously, because I, I won't be ashamed of that. Because that just means I'm more in the will of God than people who are not rolling around in millions. I think it must have been that he alluded to flying around in a private jet. Why is everybody else allowed to fly around in private jets? Pharmaceutical companies, 600 of them flying into Davos while well, they espouse a climate hoax agenda. So I will just tell you that if you want, you want out of poverty, tithe. You won't be able to contain. You will not be able to contain the blessings of God. Malachi 3, 8 through 11. He'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. It's amazing to me how people just make up their own theology. So be still. Know that he is God. When I say be be still, I don't mean be quiet. You can shout in here. Don't worry, I'm so loud, I'll shout over you. Let me launch by showing you something. That was all free to 1103. And now the message starts. Let me launch by showing you something, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. And I had never seen this in this verse. I always use Mark 9, 24, which is a separate situation, to espouse this theological truth. But I got this from Charles Capps. So Jesus, and I've, and I've known, I've had this verse memorized for years. Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now here's what I didn't see. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt. So there are people with faith and doubt. Now here's the other scenario that you hear me preach all the time, Mark 9, 23 and 24. And some of you are already thinking, we've already heard this, we know that this is about, this is about unbelief. Well, are you operating in belief? If all of us in this room were operating in fire. I watched a video, I put it on the podcast, of Nuntuela, is his name, he's a lion. His name is One Who Greets with Fire. He loves to kill hyenas. It's like his soup de jour. Everywhere I go, I always get the lobster bisque. I always try it. Hyenas are his lobster bisque. When he hears them cackle, his ears go up and he runs to the fight loves it. He greets with fire. He greets with fire. And you might be thinking, I've heard this stuff about unbelief from this church before. Well, I'm asking you, are you greeting with fire? Because where are the miracles? If everyone in this room was operating in the fire of God, we wouldn't have enough purple seats. And there's 857 purple seats in this room and 200 of them are empty. That's not your fault or my fault, it's our fault. So where are the mirror? I don't want to hear another message from Tom about unbelief. Well, you know what, I don't go online. Well, let me see. Sermons.com. I don't spy on other churches anymore, so I don't have any fresh stuff as far as their names of these sermons. I used to stalk churches and make fun of them. God won't let me do that anymore. God cuts off the rough edges. I like, I like contention, and I like confrontation. And God's like, no. You're just gonna shut up and sit under Rodney Howard Brown. But ah, that's not what I want. Do it, Yes, sir. Three years later, here I am, and I did what God told me to do. Mark 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, this is the, this is the man, if you've heard, as you have heard me preach many, many times, this is the man with the demonic son. He had a son possessed by a demon, it was, and that would manifest in epileptic seizures, throwing him into fire, throwing him in the, into the water. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now a lot of people look at that in ambiguity. Well, anything is possible. No, this is specific. Specific situations, specific answers, specific miracles. Not, well, you know, anything is possible. That's the same way that they they mispray the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done, whatever that crazy will is. That's very easy until, you're, until it's your parent or your sibling or your relative that's stricken with stage four cancer. Then it's not so much, Thy will be done, then you're gonna run to me, the one who greets with fire. You're like, Well, Tom, you failed. Yeah, you know what? I have failed. But I also have succeeded. Where those who, those who, who pray the ambiguity of the will of God have never succeeded least I have a batting average, you've never even walked up to the plate. You never even parked in the parking lot for the stadium where the plate's at. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, he cried out and said with tears what no Christians outside of the orbit that we run in ever pray. Lord, I believe. Help! my unbelief nobody prays that because that would mean that you have failed then if it was your unbelief all the people that have been sick around you that were not made well the problem was unbelief nobody wants to acknowledge it and that's why pride goes before destruction it's just more important to me that I believe that I'm solid you aren't solid I haven't been solid. If I can acknowledge it, I've been pastoring for the last 17 years and youth pastored before that. If I can acknowledge that I wasn't solid, can't you? People in need of miracles are waiting on you. You will reach people I can never reach. You can get people to this church that I can't. If they hear me, they're not coming. But if God places an anointing on you, one who greets with fire, it'll melt that waxy heart. You will notice scripture talking about wax, waxing cold, waxing gross. And I'll get to this in a minute. But here's the thing. Well, who knows if I'll get to it. When you hear people waxing cold, it, how they used to, they just mass produce candles now, but how they used to produce candles was one dip at a time. You dip the, the wick into hot wax, bring it back up cool, back in, and it builds up the candle over time. People have waxed cold. You have to come with fire. People are like, well, let me just convince you hey, here's the latest book that I read. <laughs> come with anointing and fire. But nobody prays this. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I pray it all the time. Help my, I mean, I would venture to say five, six times a week, if not seven, I pray that. The people don't want to acknowledge unbelief. Let's break that down. You can have faith and unbelief. You're not going to hell just because you have unbelief. Yes, you can go to hell for unbelief, If you don't believe in the propitiation of the cross under the forgiveness of your sins and you don't repent, that is hell-bound unbelief. But there is this man right here had faith and unbelief. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, and 22, if you have faith, you've got to have faith first, but even after you have it, you can mix it with doubt. How do you mix it with doubt? Myriad of reasons that we're going to get into. You can have faith coexisting with unbelief. People get infuriated when you say that. They say that, you know, and here's the thing, we're gonna break this down because they actually have a point. Because most of the time, what are people told? You lack faith. Lie. Now, listen, I am talking to believers. We'll deal with unbelievers later. But right now, I'm talking to you. How many saved people are in here shout Amen. amen. All right, so here, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to me. A lot of people come out to me at the door, man, that that message was right, that just really convicted me. I know, it's convicted me while I'm preaching it. I don't go to sermons.com, I ask the Holy Ghost. What do you want me to preach, Lord? He tells me. But when you tell somebody, you know what, the reason why this person wasn't healed and they love that person was because of your lack of faith. Let's talk about how they're right and how they're wrong. This wasn't because, and I'm talking about believers. You tell that to a believer. If you say it to an unbeliever, that could be ostensibly true. Man, I could go deep dive in this. But really, nobody lacks faith, even an unbeliever, because they've been given faith. They just have never acknowledged it. They'll go to hell for it. You nobody know, see not, people are like astounded. They're watching, there's a couple hundred people watching live right now, they're like, they can't go anywhere else, because nobody will ever say anybody's going to hell anymore. Jesus did all the time, but God forbid that Christians emulate Jesus. They don't emulate Jesus, they emulate their view of Jesus, their pharisaic cultist version of Jesus that they might as well just carve in a wooden image, because the word is Jesus. The word addresses unbelief, The word says to address unbelief. The word says that the miraculous doesn't happen, it's unbelief. See how quiet it is in here? Because it's personally offensive. If you're someone like me, and you've lost the same 40 pounds 40 times, people, When you're on the fat end of the 40, how many of you have different levels of clothes in your house? Right now I'm in mid-level fat. I have thin, mid-level fat, fat, and mega fat. (laughs) When you see somebody else getting thin, you're jealous. I crucify my flesh now. When I see somebody getting thin, I go up to them, even though I'm jealous. And I go, "Man, you look good. You've lost weight." And on the inside, I'm going, "I hate you." <laughs> because i know that i should be that way so whenever pre- people are challenged with unbelief it's because they know on the inside that's where they should be or they should at least be dealing with it but instead they just crawl into their work a day doldrum world and lose themselves in digital oblivion i'm talking about believers we have to come alive it's not good enough to be just against things. You should be fervently, Let make sure everybody's clear on this, because you've heard me preach 10 times already, but let me make sure everybody's clear on it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever's more than these is from the evil one. Your nose should be very clear. I am against lockdowns, I'm against masks, I'm against communism, I'm against socialism, I'm against sin, I'm against infirmity, yes. But then, and that should be just as vocal as your yeses, which are miracles, and yes to power, yes to healing, yes to restoration, restoration yes to the presence of God, yes to the laying on of hands. I've, pi- I've picked on this, and this will not make my wife happy, because she's like, let things go. But i picked on this, because I'm like, why did people pick up and leave this church when we laid hands on people? And here's what's hysterical about this. I was thinking about this while I was walking last night at two o'clock in the morning. So I'm walking and what's hysterical to me is this. It's not directed at anybody specific. Sometimes when I'm preaching up here, it is somebody specific and you're like, is it me? Probably. You are my personal experiences. So I'm walking and, I, and I'm like, people left because we're laying hands on, they were fine with anti-mask, anti-COVID, hyper, hyper-COVID response, and fine with our anti-social distancing, never stay, never closing, All great with that. They were, they were glad that I would badmouth the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Glad with all of that, they were fine with it. But what, and the moment we started laying on hands, which we are commanded to do in scripture, Mark 16, 18, commanded to do in Scripture. 2 Timothy 1, 6, commanded to do in Scripture. And that's not the only places. So they were fine with the nose. They were, they were an Ephesus church. And, and by the way, God was happy with that aspect of the Ephesus church, that you hate wickedness. But they had lost their first love because they gave up on the yeses. They were all about the no's. We are against this and you should be, and fervently, and vocally against things, equal to what you're for. For is laying on of hands, healing people, and people left, and what's so funny is, they went back to their churches that closed. They were, they were like, they came here because their churches closed. They were offended by that, and rightfully so. And Here, here's how you break it down: the people who are afraid of the laying on of hands are afraid of God. The people, the people who are afraid of not capitulating to COVID, are afraid of people. You aren't supposed to be in those terms. I'm not talking about the the right, the righteous fear of God. You're not supposed to be either one. Those people are afraid of God in what way? The power of God, one who greets with fire. They don't want it. They just want to be, I want to be at, you know, I'm going to the RNC convention. Um, I'm going to the Southern Baptist convention. You know, I just, it's nice. I want to be, I have my Bible fish cover. And my ca- my cafe latte and my and my my jeans with the hole in the in the uh, perfectly placed on the right knee and me and my wife and our pseudo perfect marriage even though we secretly hate each other are gonna go we make sure that we go to all of our Christian conferences. Can't wait for Chris Tomlin to come. No power, no miracles, no laying on of hands. They're the Ephesus Church. They're fervently against things. They're solid Republicans. That ain't gonna save nobody. And I can't, there's nobody more solidly conservative in here than me. Nobody. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't save anybody that I'm pro-Second Amendment. I'm very, very, very pro-Second Amendment. But it's so funny. They pack up and leave. They devoted their last three years to this church because of the things that they were against and we were against it with them. But the moment that we introduce the fire of God, they leave and go back to the churches that didn't stand. So now even what you were fervent about, you're no longer fervent about. So now you're not fervent about yeses or noes. Amazing to me. How do you live with yourself? I would hate me. I'd look it up every morning and say, I hate you. You're such a compromiser, you're so spineless. What's it, what's it gonna hurt for you? Well, yeah, but you know, you started laying hands on people and people fell over and I don't agree with that in scripture. Oh, really? You ever look it up? Well, how, did, how, would the, how did the greatest soul winner on the planet launch his ministry? On his back. What happened to the Roman soldiers? Back. That could go on. You harden your heart and you don't want to be touched by God. It's it's weird. What if I laugh? What if I cry? What if I go down? Who cares? What do you you think heaven's going to be? Why do you care? Told you I've been listening to a lot of preaching. and I I watched a message yesterday that changed my life. Jesse Duplantis was talking about when he he visited heaven. And you're like, that's just a bunch of, you despise prophecy. If you just, everything, everything that comes to your mind is criticism and picking it apart. It's Jesse Duplantis. He's been in ministry for five decades. More than that, actually. But he's been known for that long. I mean, massive fruit, massive salvations, massive miracles. If the man tells me he went to heaven, I believe him. Ronnie Allen Brown says a tornado of fire came in his room. I believe him. Jonathan Shuttlesworth's ministry launched when he was eight years old because there was an angel in his room. He's putting on his jammies, probably sitting there in his underwear, putting on his pajamas, looks up, and there's an angel there, tells him he's called to evangelize. Oh, I don't believe any of that. Why do you despise prophecy when you're commanded not to? I'm not saying to believe everything you hear, but it's Jonathan. It's Jesse Duplantis. It's Rodney Howard Brown. It's Andrew Walmack, Whoever it is that you listen to, you're like, those are the people, you, yeah, those are the people I listen to. I don't, I don't like anybody else. A bunch of wimps. I don't like testicle-less men. That's, that's why I'm so anti-transgender. We don't need more testicle men running around Need more testicles, not less testicles. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that. What? Why is that so bad? Shouldn't say testicle from the pulpit. I, why not? You know that's what you think about when you're, when you're talking about transgender, that's all I think about, testicles. <laughs> <laughs> so I just brushed it out. And... People wouldn't wanna bring me to the congressional floor. because I'm breaking it out, I'm not gonna sit here and dance. I don't dance. It's not pride, I'm not, I'm not going to profane God by dancing. And you say the right things, and you know there's decorum in the room, take your decorum, spin it sideways, shove it up your own caboose. Here's the thing, I don't care. If you, you call me to, t- that's why nobody invites me to come preach at their church. They say they will, but they don't. <laughs> it's true. They do. We're, we're gonna have you, Tom, it's gonna happen. It's gonna, yeah, right, you're not gonna do it. You're scared, I know. I understand you're scared. <laughs> and, and I love you, and listen, those of you that end up watching this, that say that you're gonna invite me, I love you, I do. There's not that many. <laughs> but if you end up watching it, I love you. But I, listen, if I were you, I wouldn't bring me in either. Because <laughs> I'm gonna say testicle from the pulpit. <laughs> If I testify before a congressional hearing, and it's Jim Jordan sitting there as well as all the Democratic cohorts, I would say, listen, you Democratic, you, Demo- you people in the Democratic Party and you spineless worms in the Republican Party, you know what? You are all in favor of lopping off penises, testicles, and breasts. Why? Right. Right. Explain to me how that benefits kids. You see, most churches that ever talk about this, that's because that's because they haven't, they haven't donned their black robes. They have no courage whatsoever because of the consequence, the societal consequence. People will think this, people will think that. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I, think, or do I seek to please men? I'm not trying to please men. What's true is true. So if you say to somebody, back to the message, if you say to somebody, you lack faith, and that's why that happens. Inaccurate. Nobody lacks faith. And again, this is a deep dive, but even the unbeliever doesn't lack faith. That's why unbelievers were actually able to believe for miracles inside of the New Testament because inside every person is the gift of faith. The unbeliever who doesn't activate it unto salvation will go to hell. But even on the inside, they don't say whether the woman with the issue of blood was saved or not. The two blind men were saved or not. Matthew 9, and 27, it doesn't say whether they saved or not. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty 20 began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were performed because they did not repent. So, how did that happen? Because they have an innate gift of faith given to them by God. It gets no bigger, it gets no smaller, but this is focused on the believer. You tell a believer, Aunt so and so died because of her lack of faith. It's inaccurate. <clears throat> And it's an important inaccuracy, very important. Because this wasn't her lack of faith, that means means God failed. Because you're saved, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that, that, that faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You have a gift of faith that can move mountains, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, You know why nobody claps? Because they're not doing it. Nobody claps because they're not doing it, and it convicts you. Learn to be like me. I I clap when I'm convicted. Oh, man, that hurt. Oh, thank you. When I sit in meetings or I watch preaching and I'm getting convicted, I'm like, yeah, thank you. Right out of Animal House, thank you, sir. May I have another? So that's in their defense. You shouldn't tell them it was a lack of faith. It wasn't a lack of faith. They mixed their faith with unbelief. That's what happened. You go to Matthew uh, 21, 21 and 22 or Mark 9, 24. That's what happened. That's why the person wasn't healed. That's why the person wasn't prospered. That's why the provision didn't come. It's because faith was mixed with unbelief. That's what happened. But what, now, in the, not in their defense is the conflation of the two. They think that a lack of faith is the same as the presence of unbelief. They're two different things. So they conflate them together and just are, have a giant amalgam of offense. How dare you? If you say unbelief, you, you know, what, the problem is that you have a measure of unbelief in your life. You're saying that I lack faith? No you're going to heaven, how, nice, how much nicer can I be? I'm saying that you have faith mixed with unbelief which correlates to Matthew 21, 21 and 22 and Mark 9, 23 and Mark 4, uh, 37 through 41. Matthew 13, 58. All of those is Jesus talking. That's the problem. It's never a lack of faith. Let me show you. Romans uh, chapter 12, verse three. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but rather think of himself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith, according to the measure of faith, God has given. The measure of faith. The reason why I actually put that one in there, and it's not the one that I have memorized, because I've memorized it out of the NIV. But the actual correct Translation is the measure of faith. It gets mistranslated into a measure of faith. You've been given the measure of faith. That's it. You never lack faith. You have faith, problem is you have unbelief. Revelation 14, 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Not the, not faith in Jesus. Two very different things. To have faith in Jesus, or you possess the faith of Jesus. Backed up in Galatians 2:20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God which gets man- gets mistranslated in the nearly inspired version credit Andrew Walmack the faith my faith in Jesus not the faith uh, in faith in Jesus you have the faith of Jesus you never Lack faith, Part of the reason why people are, are offended by us. People say that. You're, you're saying that you're a, you're a foundation church person, so you're of belief. but you go tell people you have a lack of faith. You don't have a lack of faith? You have, you have faith that's mixed with unbelief, which deactivates a portion of your faith. That's why you see people who can believe for provision, but they can't believe for healing. They can believe for healing, but not for provision. They can, play, they can believe for uh, casting out devils, but they can't get enough money to pay their rent. Because they have faith mixed with unbelief, not a lack of faith. If you have a lack of faith, it means God failed because you've forgiven the measure of faith. Let me just give everybody a hint God does not fail. Let me give you another little tidbit God does not allow things. God does not allow things, well, you know, God just, you know, he allowed that to happen. No, God keeps his promise. Why do, why do bad things happen on the earth? Because it's run by the prince of the power of the air and, human, and, and humanity. You're like, well, God's allowing that to happen. No, he, he's abiding by his word. He said, I'm giving it to you. He's not allowing anything. God cannot lie if he lets his yes be yes and his no be no. So he said, prince of the power, of the air, and humanity, the earth is yours. I will come and redeem the Christians so that we are in this world and not of it. But it's not God allowing anything, and you are completely exempt from anything bad the earth has to offer. Anything, how dare you say that, because if you shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You never have to be poor. You never have to be sick. You never have to be depressed. Nothing. You never have to fear a day in your life. And you're like, Tom, you hold yourself to the standard? Have you heard me preach? If you're new, you haven't, so I'll, just, I'll give you a tidbit. Well, you know, God allowed Hurricane Ian to come in. I've been waiting all my life 17 years of ministry, I finally got a building. God allowed a Hurricane Ian to come in and blow it apart. God allowed it. He didn't allow squat. You know why it didn't? The reason why the hurricane hit us is because we didn't pray it away. How dare you? That's the Bible. You are offended by the word of God, not me. If I say to the mountain... Be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall happen. Why didn't it happen? Faith mixed with. You don't think I'm preaching to myself? I'm preaching to every preacher. Hardly anybody's raising the dead. Listen, I, I like every miracle, I do. If I lay hands on somebody, and they are delivered from addiction, oppression, depression, whatever it is, I'm thrilled by that. But I will not rest until I'm pulling people out of wheelchairs. Every person has to cooperate with my faith, though. God wants you out of all affliction. Period. You're supposed to be enjoying your life, are you? It's never a lack of faith. So, how do you get rid of unbelief? How do you get rid of it? I know it's quiet. I wouldn't answer if I was you either. I, I, I'm, I know I say that often. You're like, you think that I'm, I want an answer, I want you to say something wrong so I can scream at you. That's not the case. I wouldn't say a word either because it's layered out anyway. You can say the right thing and not be where I'm going. So how do you get rid of unbelief? Because I'm saying to the Christians, you have a measure of belief. You have a measure of faith, the measure of faith. So how do you get rid of the unbelief that's diluting it? You have to, to, and first of all, you have to want to. You have to, Alcoholics Anonymous, the thing. Lord, I failed. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You have to be broken and contrite before the Lord. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Not the prideful and arrogant, Bible fish cover conference Christian. Perfect haircut and the perfect spectacles. Everybody dying around them. They don't give a crap till it hits them. I care. Th- things bother me. I, I grieve. I bear burdens. It bothers me when things happen to the people of this church. So how do you get rid of unbelief? Believe the word of God. You already did that. You're like, Tom, you're ruining this thing for me. Uh, I, listen, how I'm talking to, now, before I was talking to all believers. Now I'm talking to advanced believers. You already believe it. You, when the word of God says, if you shall ask anything in my name, you believe that God will do it. But it's not happening. So how do you get rid of that unbelief? Will you acknowledge that? Or you just go, well, you know, someday it's gonna come. No, no, you're gonna have to identify the problem. If you don't believe the word, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, then you have no faith. So you've already believed the word, so you have the measure of faith. Is this clear to everybody so far? So you have it. Congratulations, seriously, because you've decided that even though it may hurt you, you believe the word of God. I believe it. I've made the decision, I believe the word of God, but yet nothing happens when I pray for miracles or I pray for anything, because everything that God provides is really a miracle. You right now are a miracle. So you believe. How many people believe the word of God when he says that you shall have this or shall have that? Do you believe it? Okay, so we're all basically, about 90% of you. There's a few people that didn't raise your hand. I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but. Most everybody in here, when the word of God says, that my God shall supply all my need. You believe it, right? Out of, out of Philippians 4.19. So why is there unbelief? So Jesus, Jesus, so Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Why is the mountain still there? So we've all acknowledged, now here's the thing, so you believe that God's word's guarantees are guarantees. Now you even believe the next thing, that it's your unbelief that's blocking the miraculous. Everybody on board? All right, so now you believe everything. So what do we do? It's way more specific than the answers that are being barked out. and I love your answers. You're right. The answers that have been yelled out are correct, but they're not specific enough. That's why you're still not seeing the miraculous. You know the generic answer, but you don't know the specific answer. Well, I'm gonna read the word more. You're already reading the word. (laughs) And by the way, make sure that you are reading to baptize yourself in the word. Immerse yourself in the word because you're already reading it. You're just not baptized in it. It hasn't become you yet. There's, there's logos, faith, and rhema, faith. Logos, faith is the written word. Rhema is the spoken word. You're reading it and you acknowledge the greatness of the word of God. You're like, this book is great. Man, it's great. You have it. You believe it. But you don't speak it because you don't know it. It's a big difference between Logos faith and rama faith. Just a little hint of where we're going. I won't get to the end today. It's 1141. Don't worry, I'll set you on a path that if you decide to do it, you'll be ready for next week's message. And let me just warn you from the top, you're going to face Opposition. If you believe the promises of God, that you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, you will call out the dead and they will be raised, if you believe that, you're going to face opposition. Who, Who is stopping forensic recounts in the United States from the fraudulent elections? That's too generic. You see, you're not specific enough. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. You don't know. You don't. You don't know, even know who your enemy is. Who's stopping them? No, I us say he's not stopping them. Nope, it's not true. Who's stopping them? Is your own party. That's who's stopping it. That's who stopped them all. It nothing to do with the Democrats. How's a Democrat going to stop a recount in a red area? So you have to know what your opposition is. Who was who against Jesus? the tax collectors and the sinners? Or his own party? There you go. So you're, gonna, you're, going to, you're going to face opposition from Christians. This is why, listen, you talk, you talk to men who greet with fire. Talk to them. Who would they rather preach to? You ask Rodney Howard Brown today. Someday I'm gonna have to like hook up a phone thing and call him in the middle of the service. <laughs> He'd rather preach to Catholics. They believe in the miraculous. They believe you bury a statue in your backyard, bury an upside down statue, a saint, whoever, in your backyard, you're protected from what, listen, they believe it. You ain't been given the measure of faith. Yes, it's wrong directed. But these are Open. They're not Pharisaic Pentecostals. I remember the revival, 1977. It was great. You just just build a statue to it and sacrifice yourself to it. You're gonna face opposition. Here's a list. Because it's risky business. Tom, have you ever been where you prayed for something and it didn't work? Yeah but I can always fall back on the word of God it's because there was faith there because we had people praying, people agreeing. It didn't work, there's faith there, but it was unbelief. And a lot of people get offended and leave because they're t- thinking that I'm telling them that they lack faith. I'm not telling you you lack faith. You have faith, you're going to heaven, you just have unbelief so we're not getting miracles. This is risky business. You put yourself out there like me. I put myself out there all the time. You will come back. Oh, Tom, I believe, you know, you said that when I when you lay hands on me that you will be made well, and I wasn't made well. Well, was unbelief somewhere. You or me. Who is it? I, I just go with the word of God, though it slays me. I'd rather be dead in Christ than alive with Satan. Let it slay me. It's risky business. Jesus was ridiculed in Mark 9:24. Ridiculed. He, he, I mean, Matthew 9, 24. By the, by the people that were in the room, were all Jewish. They were all going to synagogue. She's only sleeping. They ridiculed and made fun of them. And I don't think they said much after she came back to life, though. Satan ridiculed them. If you are the son of God, do this and do that, Luke chapter 4. 2 Samuel 6, 16. Michael despised David. Quote, she despised him in her heart as he danced before the Lord with all his might at the arrival of the Ark of the Covenant because she had unbelief. You have in Mark chapter three, one through six, where the, where the Pharisees sat there just like Christians do. If I say I'm going to perform miracles, is a miracle service, you'll have Christians sitting there going, well, we'll see. Well, if this is your facial expression... Maybe you need to change your theology. If you think that you're winning because you prove other people wrong when you didn't actually prove them wrong, there was just faith there, but it was mixed with unbelief, you can prove anybody wrong. You're just miserable yourself. That's all you've accomplished. You are miserable. That's it. That's all you've accomplished. Accomplished nothing. And if we do fail... Micah, when I was prepping for this message, this verse came to me. They'll mock me, they'll ridicule me. You said this was gonna happen and it didn't happen. Well, I mock you. Well, this is what I say. Do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Micah 7, 8. So go ahead, you want to gloat? Go ahead, you're going to hell anyway. Or you're a, if you're a Christian, you'll live hell on earth anyway. Because you don't believe the word of God. You have horrible marriages, why? Because nobody in the marriage stands in the word of God. The husband doesn't love his wife like Jesus loved the church. And the wife doesn't submit to her husband, Horrible marriage. If it's God's institution, why did you enter into it in disobedience? Well, I'm going to enter into God's institution, but I'm not going to obey any of His tenets. Wonder why I have horrible marriage? I, well, that's, let, that's going to take all of one second to figure out. Don't come to me for marriage counseling if you don't want the word. People still do. I counsel just about every week. I'm shocked. People want to want counsel, all right. So you will face ridicule, Matthew 13, 58, going back to belief and unbelief. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief, not their lack of faith, their unbelief. So what is unbelief? Told you I'd, I'd set you on a path. Here it is, eleven forty-eight. here's the path. What is unbelief? This is the easiest way to frame it. And you've heard this story before, but we're going deeper in it. And don't worry, I'm watching the clock. Seriously. I'm starving right now. I've eaten a Cliff Bar and water. I'm not gonna preach all day, so take the next 21 minutes and listen. Listen closely. What is unbelief? I'm saying we have faith mixed with unbelief and I ask, what do you do about it? Nobody knows the answer. First of all, you better identify what is unbelief. Otherwise, you're gonna be a man beating the air, fighting an enemy you can't see. What's unbelief? I don't have any idea. Unbelief is this. It's ambient noise. There's noise going on in this room that you can't necessarily even hear. There's air conditionings running, there's echoes, there's people walking around, whatever it may be you can't hear. Ambient noise, noise that surrounds you that drowns out something. Here's the example, here's the story I told you before. When back in the old building, I used to go walking out in the neighborhood and I listened to preaching on my phone. Right next to the old building was what? The highway. You don't even hear it. You're used to it. It's there, but you don't even realize that it's actually deadening other sounds. You can't hear it. That's unbelief. So I would go out and I would listen to preaching. And when I was first, when I was next to the church, I'd have this thing. And these new our iPhones. Man, they got a good speaker on them. You barely even need headphones. Don't get me into headphones and earbuds. I hate them. Just so everybody knows, I hate them. If you're walking around here with earbuds just know that I hate your earbuds (laughs) because I'm sitting there calling your name and you're not hearing me I digress so I would put on the preaching and near the building I would have to press the speaker against my ear to hear it and then I'd only get a few hundred yards back into the neighborhood and then it was too loud I had to turn it down the volume never changed It was the ambient noise around it that deadened the volume. That's unbelief. You must identify your ambient noise. I'm just gonna study the word. No! You're gonna have to study the word as you identify the ambient noise or the word will not apply. Because you've already been studying the word. But many of you, again, you're telling me not, to, listen, studying the word's one thing, immersing yourself in the word is another. I don't merely study the word. I memorize the word. It becomes a part of who I am, which dispels unbelief. What kind of voice does God have? Come on. Come on. There you go. First Kings 19, 12. Still small so he can easily be drowned out by ambient noise. What is the ambient noise in your life? You already know. But just studying the word's not gonna do it. You gotta repent of the ambient noise. Mixed with, just like faith mixed with belief or the dispelling of unbelief, you must mix the study of the word with the repenting of the ambient noise studying the Word, will be drowned out by the noise, as it has been, which is why you don't see miracles. You're welcome. No, no amens, dead silent. It was convicting, Tom. Okay, that's where I'll go with that. I have ambient noise in my life. I'm repenting of it. I knew what it was. I saw it. I turned it off. I'll be. I'll just tell you what it is. I wasn't going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. This is a part of it. I'm not saying this is all the ambient noise in my life. But what I would do, although I look the way that I look, I'm a very active person, very active. To the place at times when my wife has told me you need to cool it. Very active. I have to be. I can't sleep at night if I don't make myself physically tired. I'll just sit there. I actually start to sweat in bed because my body's like, I want to sweat. I like sweating. Some of you don't get it, that's fine. I gotta lift weights. I gotta get on the elliptical. I've gotta walk. I've gotta do those things. The only reason why I'm fat is because I eat five pounds of M&Ms a day. (laughs) Diet, not good. Exercise, fantastic. But while I'm out there doing the stuff that you hear me with the dog and all that, what I would do during those times because it's hours per day, lots of hours, four to six per day, movement, all sorts of movement. And, and I get very distracted in the midst of my movement till I'll be out brushing the pool, I'll jump in the pool with the dog, next thing I know an hour's gone, whatever. Just a very active physically active person. And I'm either on or off. My wife is a steady stream. She never gets tired. Moves constantly. Whatever. I'm very active and then shut off. There's no movement at all. People come over to my house. Does he ever move? It's in the same spot. I actually move more than you do. But when I'm off, I'm off. So what I decided to do was this. I felt this in my spirit. And the reason why I felt it in my spirit is because I'm available to hear it in my spirit. Are you? Are you? You have to be broken to be able to hear it, available to hear it. Otherwise, God's not going to waste his advice. John 6 44, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, I'll raise him up at the last day. God doesn't bother drawing people he knows aren't going to come. God said to me, you know what? You need to listen to me. What was I listening to during those six hours? Let's just say six hours. What would I I listen to? Okay, here's what I was listening to. I was listening to political punditry. Hours upon hours upon hours, and just being fully transparent, I am always willing to admit my firm affiliation with my feminine side. Only a real man can admit that they love their feminine side, which I do. Don't let me forget where I'm at with what I, with what I was saying about my workout stuff, okay? Because I cried yesterday. I was listening to Jesse Duplantis's heaven, uh, I don't know, spiel, preaching, whatever it is, story, testimony of when he went to heaven. One of the things that he discovered there was there was a family, an intact family there. You can believe this or not, it's up to you. You know, I always heard you're not gonna be married or married. well, it was explained to him by the angel, well, yes, that's true, but up in heaven, basically, we're all married and you can choose to be with your family, okay, that's what he was, you choose whether to, how you wanna work out your own salvation, fear and trembling with that. Some of you are like, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'll finally get rid of her, but a day of rejoicing that will be. And you can do that if you, you can do that if you want. Don't take your arm off of her now. There you go. Get your arms back on your wives.. I saw, I saw an arm go off, like, don't go volume well, yeah. <laughs> So like I when he, when he said that because... I don't want to be with, I don't want to not be married, and I don't want to not be with hope. I want to, like, I'm going to be like, hey, move in, you know, move into the mansion. I don't want to, we we've been best friends for 30 years. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be without her. So I, I started crying. You're like, you're such a girl, I know. I am, that's why, that's why I don't understand my boy dog. I don't get him. Honestly, that's, that's what causes me so much frustration. with it. Heather says the same thing about her boy dog. All she's ever owned is female dogs. It's all I've ever owned. I don't understand him. That last night, I, I'm sitting in the hot tub at four o'clock in the morning. You're like, how do you do this? Because I don't require sleep, I require food. I look over in the ground. It's four o'clock in the morning. He's digging a giant hole. <laughs> and he's got a hold of a, of a, of a root. And he's just pulling on it. It's four o'clock in the morning. You just had a two hour walk. I don't get boy dogs. So what I decided to do is during all of this time of exercising where I'm listening to Political punditry, oh, here's the feminine side, or watching romantic comedies. (laughs) Rom-coms, I love them. You're like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you watch Serendipity and You've Got Mail, oh yeah. Constant consumption. I love them. I cry at them. I'm like, oh man, it's great. Doesn't exactly grow you in the faith. So I felt compelled, you know what? For now on, I'm offering all of that time as a sacrifice to God. So now all that I do is I listen. I either am praying, which I already was a prayer warrior. Now, you know what I'm doing? More. Because I have unbelief. I want it out. So I'm getting rid of the ambient noise. Here's the thing. Gosh, I'm never gonna get to it, but I already probably prayed more than average. I don't know how, many, how much you pray in here. I pray a lot. I pray every day. I never miss. Amen. You? So here's the thing. So I already was praying a lot. But you're either spending time with God or you're spending time not with God. Well, I'm always in his presence. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're not spending time with God in prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship, what are you doing? You know, Tom, are you espousing that we should spend 24 hours a day in, in the presence of God? And I'm saying that you should spend as much time as you possibly can. And then you should actually count the cost of what is, is the time that you're not spending with God. Because I was spending six hours a day, no God at all. Doing what? Feeding my carnality by getting mad with what Steve Bannon was talking about, Dan Bongino was talking about. I still listen to them, but I've cut it down 90%. You know why? My wife will tell you this. I'm always like, well, I'm prepping for the podcast, prepping for the podcast. I already know everything they're saying. I'm just listening to it again. And I'm oh man, that just, that just, I wanted to say, use the P word, me off. And I enjoy that. What are you, some kind of sick man? Yes, help me. Yeah. so I'm like no more so I'm listening to preaching praying or the Bible that's it hours more than I was two weeks ago more and more and more and more let me become less and him become more it will dispel his belief I, I pinpointed Not well you should read the Bible not enough not specific enough identify the ambient noise even correct political punditry is ambient noise in comparison to the word of God so I I just should no listen not bragging not trying to be arrogant or condescending there are people in this room that are better Christians than me does that lay everybody's heart at ease so you don't think I'm an arrogant jerk but I already know the Bible better than most. But m- listen, it's not, I, I want people out of the wheelchair. So something's gotta happen. I've already studied the word. It's the ambient noise that's drowning out that which I already know. So that's not just study the word. Yes, you have to study the word. Yes, you have to be a good parent, but you have to breathe first. Studying the words, breathing, that's just getting by. Then there's immersion and mixing it with the dispelling of ambient noise that's in constant contention to that which you're studying. Some of us, we're not, we can never be quiet. We can never sit in quiet anymore. Here, I'll tell you another personal story. It's the 1203. After the hurricane hit, I had, we had nothing at our house, as many of you didn't have. Nothing. No, no, no power, no nothing. Our water was the pool. Luckily, we had a pool so we could fill toilets with it. We had nothing. So we had no internet out where I live. A lot of you had internet the whole time. We had no internet. Tower gets affected. We have weak internet where I live anyway, but even like, what's it, LTE, is that what it's called? That was out. Everything was out. So everything that I did, I did in silence. I was out there walking in silence, stretching in silence, picking up as we all were doing, endlessly picking up branches, hours and hours and hours and chainsaw for hours and hours, all in dead silence. I was happier. I told Aaron that I'm never going back. You know what I did? I went back. It's like the big old giant bag of M&M's. I'm always going back. (laughs) A dog chomping on its vomit. It's that ambient spiritually, and it doesn't even have to be spiritual, but it's having affect in the spiritual. That's what you have to get rid of. I'll head towards the end with this. To make it, to start at the rudimentary Sin is ambient noise. Sin is ambient noise. Yes, it's unbelief in and of itself, but really it's ambient noise. You want me to set you on a path, here's step number one. You gotta identify it. I'm asking you right now, look at me, look at me. What is it? What is in your life that's drowning out the voice of the still small voice of God? Something is, something is. Tell me to go cold turkey? For some of you, yeah, go cold turkey. Some of you are like me. You can't do it. You can't go. I don't do anything in moderation. You ever watch the podcast? There's <laughs> no moderation. I don't do anything in moderation. And there's, listen, that's actually a biblical principle for the most part is to be hot or cold. But then it gets to where you're, in certain areas of life, you should be able to mix in some junk food without being a junk food addict. You should be able to have a soda and not be like me and have 10 sodas. See what I mean? That's the balance. So you have to identify in your life, 12.06, I'm gonna be done preaching in five minutes. So stay with me. You have to identify what is the ambient noise in your life. What is it? Remember, I'm at the church. I, it's the same volume, but I can't hear it when I'm at the building because of the sound of the road. What's the road? Otherwise you're going nowhere. You can study the Bible all you want. And by the way, you have to. That's breathing, otherwise you're dead. That's breathing if you're not studying the word. It's not even an option. 2 Timothy two fifteen. study to show yourself approved. It's not an option. It's just you've already been studying the word. The miracles are not happening. A, because you don't study correctly. B, because you have constant competition to the still small voice of God, which is the word of God. It's still a still small voice. So let me finish here go from the very rudimentary, and I'm going to be done. Sin is ambient noise, and it's unbelief. And this is the verse that you hear the verses you hear all the time in this church. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So they didn't obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. People think there's a difference between faith and works. There isn't. Works is faith. Faith is works. They couldn't enter in because of their disobedience because that was a lack of faith. It's what it just said, it's unbelief. And let me just tell you this. You don't not receive because of the sin. You're like, Tom, you're a hellfire and brimstone. You go to hell for your sin that you don't repent of. Is that, clear, is that clear to everybody? I don't care how many sinners prayers you've prayed. If you're living in unrepentant sin right now, that's called apostasy. You're going to hell for it. Is that clear? Good. But the reason why, even if you're living in sin, if you are, I'll put it this way How many people vacillate in and out of sin? Don't answer. Don't raise your hand. That's between you and God. We're doing the altar call in a minute. You can confess it then. How many of you vacillate in and out of sin? When push comes to shove, instead of getting in trouble with your boss, you lie to him. I've had that happen to me when I was the boss, both in church and out of church. This lie to get out of trouble. You, how many of you say to people, "Now well, I would have done that, but I got too busy? It's a lie. So you, you vacillate in and out of sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's serious sin. Maybe it's pornography, you know. And I've been there. I've looked at thousands of hours of pornography myself. Sinned over and over and over and over and over again as a Christian. God did not, if I would have lived in it, it was always like, you know, bad night, two months doing good, another bad night, vacillating with sin, right? Right? It's quiet in here you talk about porn because everyone's afraid to talk about sexual problems I don't know why I don't know why why is everybody still quiet it's so funny it's either that or money it gets dead silent like why we're all having sex okay I'm going to the bathroom today too at some point I've already gone twice If you're having mass dysfunction in your marriage, you need to find the porn. See how quiet it is in here? Quiet in here. You know why? I'm going long. I'll do a quick altar call at the end. Is that good? You're like, Tom, you always go long. I know. (laughs) When I was a kid, you didn't have to address porn now. When I was a kid, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to watch, not even when I was a kid, when I was a young adult, you wanted to watch porn, you had to go to a 7-Eleven and buy it. There's some female clerk standing there going, I know what this is about. <laughs> and yes, I mean, I know what this is about. See, it's so funny to watch your faces. It really is, it's fun. It actually entertains me. When you get quiet, it entertains me. <laughs> now it's just whatever you want for free on this, right? Whatever you want for free, I'm taking it, right? So, if there is mass dysfunction, sexual dysfunction in your marriage, I'll put it to you this way. If your husband has no sexual interest in you, you need to find out what's going on with this. I've been married for 27 years, and I'm very interested in my wife. But I'm, also, but I'm also with you because I've looked at porn too. I understand the attraction but you need, you need to get in there and say, because this has to be addressed in the church. We address it all. I address it all because I don't care. I would, ra- I would rather be slain by God than not address truth. I'll just address the truth. If, they, if that mean, what I mean by slain by God is not that he'd ever hurt my body if he takes if my ministry closes. You know? See, people start to get out when I said I was going long. while, well, I'm getting out of here. Two families. Hey, good credit to them. They last until twelve. Start talking about porn, they get up and leave too. no connotations there or anything. Let's get out of here. But even something as serious as sexual sin or any sort of sin, and you're vacillating. I'm, I, again, you always hear me say at the altar call: there's a big difference between struggling with sin, which is vacillation. I sin, I get it right. I sin, I get it right. That's, I, that's why I wasted all my years. Sin, get it right. Sin, get it right. Not, not, not with, not exclusively with porn. The porn was only a small, actually small segment of my life. But it was always sin, get it right. I would do the same thing. Oh, you know what, if I tell the truth. As a born again believer, I'd lie my way out of situations. And then, oh Lord, I'm sorry for my lies. I ask you to forgive me for them through the blood of Jesus. I repent of all lying. And then when push comes to shove, I do it again. That's called vacillating or struggling with sin. I'm not saying you're going to hell for it. You're going to hell when you concede to sin. It's over, you know, and I'm just going to depend on the grace of God and live in it. I'm just going. She's too hot not to live with, you know. I'm just going to trust in the grace of God, and I'm going to go to that compromising church down the road. I'm getting the heck out of Foundation Church, and I'm going to go to the one down the road that will never address it. <laughs> but your concession to sin or your vacillation to sin is not why your prayers aren't answered. Your prayers aren't answered because of unbelief, caused by the sin. Right. Okay. That's what it is. Hebrews 3.13. Wherever Aaron is, he's usually here, so I can like tell Aaron, wherever you are, start making your way, migrate, so people actually have faith that I'm gonna be, there you go, Cole, come on up. <laughs> people actually have faith. People actually have faith that I am closing, because I am, there you go, there's good news. Look at that, you feel like a fresh, breeze blowing through the sanctuary. (laughs) As you know, the end draweth nigh. Listen, I'm not telling anybody that you're not going to hell for concession to sin, because you are. But what blocks the miracle is not actually the sin, it's the unbelief caused by the sin. That's the rudimentary beginning is, find the sin. Either concession to it where you're living in it or what you vacillate in and out of because it's causing unbelief. Identify it. What is it? Do you lie to get out of situations? Are you struggling with porn? Whatever it is, do you lust? Do you lie? Do you cheat? Whatever it is, Yes, starts with the sin, and that causes unbelief. You'll never see miracles. Not because of the sin, but because of the unbelief caused by the sin. And that's the same thing with all other ambient noise because sin is ambient noise that is in contention to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the word of God, which is also the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? So you gotta identify it. I'm asking you right now. Here it is, I'm done. Right here. Now you know. I want you right now. This is all, this is, we're gonna do this in a brief salvation altar call. That's it, we're done. I'm asking you, we'll still be out on time. It's 12.15, we always leave around 12.20. So we'll still be out on time. I'm asking you, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Matter of fact, I'll come down there. I want you to look at me. I like the way we did the altar call last week anyway, so we're gonna keep doing that until I feel like changing again. <laughs> Listen. John chapter three, verse, verse eight. Those who, are, those who are led by the Spirit of God are like wind. You never know what we're going to do. I'm look, look at me in the eye. What's, what is, what's the ambient noise? You already know. Are you going to get rid of it? So that you can become what God wants you to be? Are you? Or are you just going to go back to the doldrums, the windless sea? I'm going to heaven. That's why there's going to be tears in heaven. Because you're going to find out what you should have been in comparison to what you were. You don't get another chance. There's, no ch- There's not another chance down here. This is it. This is it. And you're like, great, I can't wait. No, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna regret it. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture, no regret. You're going to find out that there were areas of your life that were never fulfilled because you refused to deal with the ambient noise. What is it? Look at me. What is it? What's the ambient noise in your life? How many of you will say with an uplifted hand, I'm going to do all that I can to get rid of it this week? I am, but I'm both mine up. You know, my shirt's becoming untucked. You might see fish belly white. <laughs> Any minute, it could burst forth. <laughs> Finished with this. I'm not gonna have every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm doing it this way, for now. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's led by the Spirit of God. That's what I feel to do. We're gonna do it. You don't have to bow your heads or close your eyes. Nothing. If you need to get right with God today, if you're a backslidden Christian, you've conceded to sin, you're living in a lifestyle so I'm not talking about those of you who are struggling with sin. I'm talking about those of you who conceded to sin. Will you get it right today? Because you're going to hell where you're at. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in and overcome, they're worse off than going to hell. They're worse off than they were, than they were at the beginning. It's a dangerous thing about Christianity. You can delve into Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, where those who have fallen away cannot be renewed to repentance. It's a dangerous thing to trifle with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Don't do it. If you're backslidden and you know, don't worry about the unpardonable sin. It's not you if you care. If you don't care, it's you, potentially. If you've fallen away, now is your time. Just hold on. Now here's the thing. How about people who have never been saved? Tom, if I raise my hand right now, my mother's gonna know. She's watching right now. The cameras are on can't see you anyway. So don't worry about it. The person next to me is gonna know that I've never been saved. I've been playing this part though, good, confess it right in front of them. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Confess it. Listen, how much more nude could you be than I was? I'm telling you, I've wasted decades. What have, I, what have I done up here today? I've told you today that I've watched porn for thousands of hours. I've wasted decades of my life, and you're worried about what I think? You're worried about what people think around you? See, I don't care. I don't care that people, that people know that I was, I'm i no longer a sinner saved by grace. I was, at salvation, a sinner being saved by grace at the moment that I got saved and turned from my sin. But now, I'm glorious in the sight of God. Redeemed and spotless in the sight of God. I don't even use that vernacular anymore. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I stop saying that too. But maybe, maybe you're that person. You've never been saved. Now's your day. Now is your time. 2 Corinthians 6.2, Today is the day of salvation. Well, my wife's gonna know. She already knows. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you. It's 1220, but. (laughs) Men, she already knows. (laughs) Men always think that they're hiding stuff from their wife. You're not. She thinks I'm a Christian. No, she doesn't. (laughs) You're, You're somebody's son or daughter in here, my parents are going to know finally going to know that I'm not a Christian they may be living in denial but they already know too, I see see parents all the time, well he has a good heart We not sure where he is, no he has a foul heart, you might need to confess things too as a parent but listen kids the parents already know if you need to get right with God this morning here, this is it and we're done, we're leaving if you need prayer today our prayer teams will be on both sides of the aisle, if you want me to pray over you, I will you're going to have to wait though I'm going to go out and greet people. I'll come back in and pray for you. If you're like, i got to have Pastor Tom pray for me, I'll pray for you. Seriously, I will. You may not be conscious if I do it now, because I'm coming with fire. I'm not coming for some some little wimpy, spineless prayer. I'm going to start over here, and I'm going to look to my left, to my right. If you need to get right with God right where you're at, put your hand up. Put your hand up if you need to get right with God. Come on, put your hand up if you need it. Got you, brother. Anybody else? Put your hand up. Got you, sister. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Anybody else? All right, you didn't do it over here, and you know you should have. Put your hand up. There you go. Got you. Anybody else? There you go. 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 Anybody else? If you know you should have and you didn't, put both your hands up right now. Right where you're at. There you go. It's really easy, isn't it? Nobody's disgusted by your sin. Yes, I'm no longer call myself a sinner saved by grace, but all of my sin has been washed away. But I can't be, I'm not like Jesus. I can't be disgusted by sin. I'm not Yahweh, who's never sinned. So it's just a matter of joining the family, that's it. The entire congregation is gonna pray this prayer with you out loud. You pray it. Those of you who lifted up your hands, you mean it. Your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west, removed from you for forever. And you are saved. Pray this prayer mean it. Everybody together. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me For all of my sins, and I now turn from them, and I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' mighty name, church shouts, so be it.